The information given in this podcast is general in nature and you're advised to seek your own independent financial advice from a qualified advisor before investing your money. Money, money, money. money. The biggest unanswered question is money. Money, the money. money. Where is the money? And now, reinventing the way you invest, how to value the best stocks and buy them for less than they're worth. Welcome to Valueable, the podcast with your host, Roger Montgomery. Hi, I'm Roger Montgomery. It's a delight to be with you. I'm from Montgomery Investment Management and welcome to this episode 13 of our Valuable podcast series, How to Value the Best Best Stocks and Buy Them for Less Than They're Worth. Well, we've been talking about value. We've been talking about market pricing. We've been talking about uh, quality. And what we're going to do today is we're going to revisit quality, but we're just going to finish the conversation about quality. where the market currently is and whether or not value exists. And I just want to clarify a couple of points. So we noted earlier that the S&P 500's CAPE ratio, or the Robert Schiller PE ratio, the cyclically adjusted PE ratio, sits at about 30 times earnings, which is the third most expensive the market has been since 1870. Um, What does that mean? Well, let me just make the point. It doesn't mean that the stock market is at imminent risk of a crash. What it does mean, though, is that you are likely locking in low returns for the next decade or more. Now, the question that remains is whether or not that low return will be accompanied by heightened volatility or not. Well, you can be sure of this, stock markets are volatile. Um, In recent years, the market hasn't been very volatile. But the market is typically volatile. And so why would you lock in a very low rate of return if you know that there's going to be uh, lots of volatility? And so with that in mind, I think it's worth remembering that index investing, which is blind to quality and value, can be at times very risky. We believe that the risk is lower because, or it's the traditional conventional wisdom is that risk is lower because of diversification. But if the market is expensive and you're likely to be locking in a low return and there's going to be volatility, well, it might be riskier to invest in an index than you first imagined. And so what's the alternative? Of course, the alternative is to think about value and quality and look at individual businesses and pick the eyes out of the index and find those businesses that are both high quality and currently cheap. Because it's always the case that there are higher quality businesses than others, but the market is blind to that. The index doesn't care about whether it's a high quality business or not. And There's also cheap options or or value investing opportunities, even when the market is expensive, but the index may not be privy to that either. So with that in mind, let's just turn now to thinking about quality and one of the components of quality, which is obviously a sensible management team. It's really vital that high quality businesses um, are managed by high quality people, that means that you're getting into a great business boat with a great oarsman as well. And that really is the first prize. We can think about whether or not management are doing a smart thing with the money they're being entrusted to by their shareholders and by the people they work for um, by thinking about dividend policy. Now, it's really important to understand that in Australia, and I'm recording this podcast from Sydney, uh, it's really important to understand that we have a a few peculiarities with respect to the taxation of dividends, meaning that 
if an investor in a company is on a lower tax rate than the company tax rate, they actually receive a cheque from the Australian Taxation Office representing the difference between the tax paid by the company and their tax rate. So this is called a franking credit rebate. Uh, and franking credits are attached to dividends. Um, if a company earns a profit and it's paid tax at the rate of 30% in Australia, then there is a credit attached to the dividend. And if the recipient of the dividend is on a lower tax rate, they receive that credit back as a rebate. They actually receive cash back. Now that might change at the next election. Um, it may not. But that means that in Australia, the boards of companies tend to pay a very high proportion of the earnings out as a dividend simply because the franking credits have no value to the company but have enormous value to the recipient, the shareholder. But it also produces some odd uh, capital allocation decisions by management and that's what I want to talk about today. This is Valuable with Roger Montgomery, teaching you how to value the best stocks and buy them for less than they're worth. So let me take you through an example. Uh, and if we can digest that example, we'll move on to another one. If not, we'll talk about another example in a future episode. So I want you to imagine a company's got equity of $100. Remember, that's what the shareholders have contributed. And it earns a return on its equity of only 5%, which for me, that probably isn't high enough to compensate me for the risk of owning a business. Businesses are sensitive to the economy. Uh, they can be at risk of competition. They can be at risk of um, decisions that are made by their suppliers or their customers that may be out of their control. And there's a lot of risk associated with owning a business. Therefore, 5% probably isn't a high enough return to compensate me for the risk. But let's look at this particular business that earns a 5% return. Let's now suppose that on the $100, it earns 5% in the first year, which is, which is equivalent to earnings of $5 a share. Now, let's also make the assumption that the board decides not to pay any of the earnings out as a dividend. So it retains all of the profits, all of that $5. That means the dividends will be zero, but the $5 are retained and that's added to the equity on the balance sheet. So the business started with $100 of equity. It then earns $5, doesn't pay any of it out. In other words, it keeps all of the $5. So at the end of the year, the equity is $105. In the second year, the company starts the year with $105. It earns 5% again, a 5% return on its equity of $105, which is earnings per share of $5.25. And you'll notice something there. The earnings have grown by 5%. When the payout ratio of a company is zero, then the earnings growth of the company will be equal to its return on equity. So that's the first important thing to keep in mind with this example. So in the second year, the company earns $5.25. The equity then is, the earnings are kept uh, or retained, and so the equity grows to $110.25. And it does that every year. It keeps doing that. So it keeps earning 5% on its e growing equity. Its equity is growing by 5%. Its earnings are therefore growing by 5%. And if we make the assumption that we're no good at picking how popular or unpopular this company is going to be, then we'll just assume that its share price, uh, sorry, its PE ratio stays at 10 times the earnings. So in the first year, the company earned $5. 
the PE ratio is 10, and so the shares will be trading at $50. In the second year, the earnings were $5.25, and so the shares will trade at $52.50. And in the third year, the company earned $5.51 or thereabouts. Remember, the earnings are growing at 5% a year. And so at 10 times earnings, the shares will be trading at $55.12. Guess what? The share price grows when the PE is constant, the share price grows at the same rate as the earnings. So the share price is growing at 5% a year. Now your internal rate of return on this investment is 5%. So the company earns a 5% return on equity. If it retains all of its profits, the earnings will grow at 5%. And if the PE remains constant, the popularity of the stock doesn't change, then the share price is going to grow at 5%. Because you're not receiving a dividend, you don't receive any dividend at all, uh, then obviously your only return is going to be capital appreciation from the share price, which is growing at 5%. So in this example, your internal rate of return from investing in the shares is exactly the same as the return on equity of the company, 5%. But could you have got a better return from this company? Well, the answer to that is yes. Believe it or not, if the company generates a 5% return on its equity but pays out all of the earnings as a dividend so that the payout ratio is 100%, then not only do you um, receive any potential share price appreciation or the benefits of that, but you also receive the dividends. Now, in this particular example, the company again earns $5 because it's earning 5% on its $100 of equity, but it pays all of that earnings out as a dividend. So the dividend you receive is $5. Now, there's no profit to be retained because all of the profit has been paid out, and so the equity never grows. The equity stays at $100 every year. The company earns 5% on that equity every year, and so the earnings don't grow. The earnings are always $5. Now, you might think that this is a poorer return than the previous example where the company retained all of its profits and grew. This company is simply not growing. So if the PE ratio were to remain constant at 10 times the earnings, then the share price is going to remain constant as well at $50. But if you buy the shares for $50 and you earn a $5 dividend every year, and then you sell the shares in the future at $50, then your return is actually going to be 10% per annum, not 5%. So the same company as earlier, but double the return. In the first example, we earned a 5% return. And in this second example, we've earned a 10% per annum return. And all that's happened is management have paid out all of the earnings as a dividend. So it is the case, and I will finish on this point, it is the case that when returns on equity are low, the earnings should be paid out as a dividend rather than reinvested. Now, I've got a little spreadsheet, uh, an Excel spreadsheet that I'm well, um, I'm be delighted to send you to show this uh, in action. If you send me an email to roger at rogermontgomery.com, I'll shoot that uh, spreadsheet over to you. Uh, or, of course, you can follow the example in my book, Valuable, which is available at rogermontgomery.com. Thanks for joining me this episode. I'll talk to you again in the next episode, and we'll revisit this in a couple of episodes' time. 
Speak to you soon. You've been listening to Valuable, the podcast with Roger Montgomery, reinventing the way you invest. Subscribe, rate and review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, CastBox.fm or wherever you get your podcasts from. Stream on demand from our website. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. Want to learn more? You can get Roger's best-selling book, Valuable, from Amazon or any good online book retailer.